Welcome to Fortress of Faith with Tom Wallace, calling North America to repentance and revival. Well, thank you for joining us again at the Corner of Truth and Courage. This is Tom Wallace, and we've been talking this week about the 9-11 attacks, about terrorist groups, a bit about the origins, how modern, the modern day of terrorism, kind of how that got started. We haven't talked about what happened there much in in Iran and the uh, 1973 attacks that started, sorry, 1979, the Olympic attack there against the Jews and so on there. But that is a Shiite group. There are a number of different uh, Shiite terrorist groups out there. Hezbollah is one of them. The nation of Iran, the current government of Iran, is nothing more than a terrorist group that's funding other terrorist operations and stuff. There's some of them in Yemen as well. And uh, then the main groups, uh, the Sunnis, you've got a whole host of them. Of course, 80% of the Muslims in the world are Sunnis. People think that one group, the Shiites or it's the Sunnis, one is terroristic and the other one's not. No, both are. Both have terrorist groups that are involved. Some are, and it's those who are the fundamentalists in Islam. That is what is fueling uh, the terrorism. They're, they they know their scriptures. They know they have the correct interpretation of the scriptures. It's very clear. It doesn't take someone very long to study Islam to figure this out for themselves. And But, uh, you know, you got al-Qaeda, al-Nusra, al-Shabaab, uh, the Mujahideen. Uh, these are Sunni terrorist groups there. There's just a whole host of them. and don't have the time to go through a whole list. But we're talking about al-Qaeda. Because that has been the one that has a global outreach, still is out there today. Before I go back to 9-11, let me quickly address al-Zarari. He took the mantle after bin Laden was killed, and we just finally took him out last year. I mean, he was able to uh, uh, evade and avoid our attempts to bring uh, his, uh, bringing him to his end. We finally got a hold of him in 2022, last year. And now we have a new general, a de facto leader there, uh, Atif. And um, we'll have to cover that in another program. But let me get back to the 9-11 attack. We kind of uh, was going through some of the details of how they sent in 17 of their jihadis to live amongst us, looking like Westerners acting like the Trojan horse, so to speak, not so that we're not aware that the enemy is amongst us. We talked um, last Friday, what was it, 96 people that are on the terror watch list has crossed the southern border. That's the ones we know of. And the year before, 98. Thank you, Biden, for making America more vulnerable to Islamic, these are people that are on the jihadi list, on the watch list, the terrorism watch list. They're on the no-fly list, but they found their way into America. At least we've been able to capture or stop at least 96 of them. How many did we not capture of the one and a half million people who've crossed that border during the Biden administration? We talked about Flight 11, American Flight 11, that was flown into the North Tower. We covered 
uh, Flight 175, United Airlines Flight 175, all these planes that were hijacked by these terrorists were large planes, 747s, Boeing jets, uh, gassed up for with fuel to take them all the way across the nation, down into California, leaving from the East Coast. They were hijacked, full of fuel. Two of them flown into the uh, World Trade Center. That, why did they go after that? That was a target they tried to take down in 1993, but failed. And so they're at it again in 2001, and they succeeded beyond their imaginations. Then flight American Flight 77 was hijacked, uh, took off from Dulles Airport in Washington, D.C., and was hijacked and turned around, and its target was the Pentagon, which it hit at 937. 18,000 workers there in the Pentagon. Fortunately, they had just finished in the Pentagon doing uh, reinforcements of their walls and stuff there. They had, on the outer walls, they had just reinforced them with concrete and steel and so on there. And that's the only side, by the way, that they had completed that work. I guess they figured, you know, if there was an attack of this kind, if bombs were coming, this is the most likely direction that they would come at over I-395. And therefore, they put them there. I don't know why they chose to start there. But had they not, that plane probably would have claimed more lives. You say, well, what, what happened to the airplane? As it flew in at such high speed, it disintegrated because of what it hit. 64 uh, were killed on the plane, 125 in uh, on the ground were killed. Of course, that 64 also includes the lives of the terrorists. We'll talk about what they got as a result of that there. Then you had the famous United Airlines Flight 93, led by two from Lebanon and, uh, sorry, one from Lebanon and three from Saudi Arabia. So they came from different parts. The point that I want to get is that they came from different parts of the Middle East. They weren't all from one country. And we've got to realize this. Fundamentalism in Islam has spread around the world. There are those in Indonesia who are fundamentalists. There are those in Turkey who are fundamentalists. Those in Pakistan. Those in, in many African countries. Even in America, there are those who are fundamentalized to Islam. And why? Because they study their scriptures and they have the courage to follow it. But thankfully, we had people on that plane who realized what was going on and realized that trying to save their lives, uh, doing nothing would not save their lives, but trying to do something might. And unfortunately, it did not save their lives. The plane took off from Newark, New Jersey bound for back to Washington, D.C. We're not quite sure what its target was. Many have made supposition that it was the White House. Who knows? It crashed there in Pennsylvania, was taken down 44 dead. What's the motivation? I've been saying it all along. But let me give you the evidence. Jihad. These were jihadis. Let me go to the Sharia law. Let me read this out of the Sharia law book. So you understand why they do what they do. Here's the definition. As you get into 
the Sharia law. It gives us a definition, and then it's going to quote two sources to back up why, why, uh, why this is a law. So jihad means to war against non-Muslims. It is etymologically de- derived from the word mujahada. Remember I talked about the mujahideens that Osama bin Laden was a member of. Uh, mujahada signifying warfare to establish the religion of Islam. So jihad is a warfare to establish the religion. Then it quotes two of its primary sources for the law. It starts usually with the Quran. So these are the words of Allah. These are the words of our God. This is what God says. It quotes from uh, chapter 2, verse 26, uh, 216. Fighting is prescribed for you. Chapter 4, verse 89, slay them wherever you find them. Chapter 9, verse 36, fight the idolaters utterly. Then it quotes the prophet. So the first sword is their God. And if that's not enough, if you don't understand that, then listen to what the prophet said, because he will make it clearer. And he quotes from the Hadith. Hadiths are the collections of Muhammad's sayings and teachings and his actions. And he said, I have been commanded to fight people until they testify there is no God but Allah and that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah and to perform the prayer and pay zakah, which is like their tithe they're giving. If they say it, they have saved their blood and possessions from me. This is what the prophet had said. This is why he commanded warfare. I've been commanded. Allah has called me to do this, and he's called us to do it as well, to fight those until they testify that there is no God but Allah. Then it goes down deeper. Who's obliged to fight? Section 09.4. Those called upon to perform jihad when it is a command, a communal obligation, are every able-bodied man who has reached puberty and is sane. So anyone who's able-bodied, that's not a child, and is, uh, and then that's not insane. If you are sane and an adult and able-bodied, you are ordered to fight. Then it goes on to, if, you're, if you aren't able to actually do the fight, then you're to fund those to do the fight. And in a way, they're fighting for you, and you get the reward as well because you funded it. What are the objectives? What tells us what that is? Section 09.8. The caliph makes war upon Jews, Christians, and Zoroastrians. These are the targets. Now, there's later that they get about the Mushkaroons, the polytheists, and so on there. But when it comes to Jews, Christians, and Zoroastrians, they're to fight them until they bring them into submission until the, so they can enter the, social, uh, quote, enter the social order of Islam by paying the non-Muslim poll tax. Let me finally raise the other motivation, the doctrines of the Shahid, being a Shahid. There are six, sorry, seven promises given to them. The sixth promise is that he'll be married to 72 virgins and he'll be able to ravage them throughout all eternity. This is exactly what Muhammad taught. If you die for me, performing jihad, you'll get this great grand reward in heaven, this orgy in heaven. You can enjoy 72 virgins and ravage them for all eternity. But not only that, you'll gain your salvation, you'll intercede for 70 others. You'll get 
salvation for 70 other relatives. Folks, this is why they flew the planes in. They hate America because we do not accept Allah, and therefore we are the enemy of Allah. They have been commanded to fight against us, and until we wake up to that, we will never properly defend ourselves. Well, folks, that's going to have to be it for today. I hope this has been a help to you. God bless you. Join us again next time at the Corner of Truth and Courage. I have an urgent and heartfelt request that we hope will touch your hearts. Underground churches are growing in Iran, and there are brave individuals who have chosen to follow their faith and become pastors, yet they have not had any formal training. These pastors, however, face tremendous challenges in pursuing their calling. I'm flying to Turkey to meet with other missionaries and to teach Bible doctrine to these pastors and to mentor them in biblical ministry. I get this for only $200, these Iranian pastors can travel by bus to neighboring Turkey. Our goal is to bring 30 pastors on this journey to equip them with the knowledge and skills they need to properly feed their flocks. Imagine the impact your donation can make. Your generosity can transform lives from one of the darkest corners of the world, Iran. Please open your hearts and give today. Your donation, whether big or small, can make an incredible difference. You can give today at our website, fortressoffaith.com. That's fortressoffaith.com. Or call us at 800-616-0082. Again, that's 800-616-0082. Thank you for your compassion, and thank you for making a real difference in the lives of these brave pastors.